This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. of God's Word, whether it's an iPad, iPhone, it's a Bible, it doesn't matter. If you don't have any of that, we'll go to the screen. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8, look what the Bible says. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent me into the nations which spoiled you. For he that toucheth you touch the apple or the pupil of his eye. We're dealing with Israel. And God said, whoever touches Israel touches the pupil of my eye. You know how sensitive a pupil is in your eye. But God said, he who touches Israel touches the pupil of my eye. Now let me share something. The most important city in the world is Jerusalem, Israel. It's it's not Paris, France. It's not London, England. It's not New York, New York. The most important city in the world is Jerusalem, Israel. Isn't it ironic that even if you take your Bible, Ezekiel 5 and 5 said this, that Jerusalem is the center of the world. Anytime you see directions in the Bible, they're given from Jerusalem because Jerusalem is the geographical center of the world. Now, whosoever touches Israel, God said, touches the apple of my eye. This is what God said, I'll do. He said, for behold, I will shake my hand upon them, and they shall be a spoil to their servants. And ye shall know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me. I want to talk to you about Israel, the apple of God's eye. During the American Revolution, George Washington, leader of the troops, was battling at Valley Forge. He was actually battling in the snow. They reached a time that they had very little ammunition, reached a time that many of the American forces were dying of frostbite and other diseases. They had ran out of food. It it really looked bleak. It looked like they could not escape from the tyranny of Britain. There was a man who stepped forward. His name was Haim Solomon. Haim Solomon, most of you would never know that name, but he was a Jewish banker. And this Jewish banker stepped forward and he gave money to George Washington and the troops And it turned the tide during the Revolutionary War, during the American Revolution. And of course, America won and America survived and we have a nation as we know it. George Washington never got over that. He never got over what that Jewish man, Haim Solomon, did for America. To this day, when you look at a $1 bill, anytime you see the the eagle, above the eagle, something is placed strategically. It's literally the Star of David. 
pay an acknowledgement to the impact that Israel had on America. I want you to understand something, folks. If you really want to understand the future, there's three words you've got to get down. Jesus, Jews, and Jerusalem. Jesus, Jews, and Jerusalem. You say, well, first of all, Pastor Benny, I'm not really interested in Judaism. and <laughs> You don't understand there is no Christianity without Judaism. Christianity cannot stand alone because there is no Christianity without Judaism. Now, I want to take you through four things. I want to hit them as fast as I can. It's going to be a lot of information. But if you listen closely, if you're writing down, say, I've got a great memory. A short pencil is better than a long memory. If you're writing down, I believe you can get this. See, the devil doesn't want you to write anything down. He wants to steal it from you. He wants to steal it from you. I want you to see four things. Number one, I want you to see the beginning of Israel. The beginning of Israel. So, Pastor, if it began, if it all began with Israel and it's all going to end with Israel, how did, how did Israel actually begin? Well, let me tell you. There was a man, his name was Abraham. He was 75 years old. And God said to Abraham when he was 75 years old, I'm going to make of your seed a great nation. I'm going to make of your seed a great nation. There was only one problem. Abraham was 75 years old, ladies and gentlemen, and he and Sarah had no children. And from my seed, there was going to be a great nation, and I'm 75 years old. But always remember, with men, things are impossible but with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. We need to quit saying impossible, and we need to say him possible. It's all possible through him. Amen? Eleven years passed, and Abraham reaches 86. And Sarah said to Abraham, nothing's happening. She said, I've got a plan. I've got a handmaiden. Her name is Hagar. She's an Egyptian. She's a combination of, uh, you know, Betty Crocker and Wonder Woman. She didn't say that. But anyway, she's, a, she's a, a lady. And why don't you just have relations with her? And if you have relations with her, you'll probably have a baby. And Abraham said, sounds like God's will to me. Anyway, <laughs> he goes with her, and they have a baby. That baby's name is Ishmael, but he wasn't the promised child. Ishmael is the father of all Arab nations. He's the father of all Arabs. The Arabs can trace their beginning back to Ishmael. The Bible gave a prophecy concerning him. It says, and he shall be a wild man. <laughs> And his hand will be against every man. What a true prophecy, by the way, just like God said. You say, well, Pastor Benny, where did the Palestinians come from? They were Arabs who settled between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River in a place called Palestine. And that's why we have the Palestinians. But keep in mind, that wasn't the promised child. 
So Abraham reaches 99 years of age. This is what I'd say to you out there. <laughs> Don't ever give up. Amen? Don't ever give up. I mean, I'm, I don't know what you're praying for, but persistence is what got the snail on the ark. Just hang in there. Keep praying. Keep trusting God. Amen? Somebody said when things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're traveling seems all uphill, when funds are low and debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tin of the clouds of doubt, and you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far, so stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things go wrong, we must not quit. Just hang in there. Just don't quit. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your dream. Just stick it out. Don't give up. There'll be times that quitting will look good. But I'll promise you, if you'll get on the other side of it, you'll be glad you didn't quit. You'll be glad you didn't quit. Just stick in there. Let me tell you, look here. Come up real close. This, I don't know who this is for, but this is what commitment is. This is what commitment is. This is the best definition you'll ever hear. You say, what an arrogant statement. Maybe it is. But anyway, here's the best definition I know. Commitment is being willing to be unhappy for a while. Commitment is being willing to be unhappy for a while because there's going to be things in life and situations like you're going to be unhappy, but you've got to stick in there. That'd be a good place for a good, hearty, amen, preacher, being it. Amen. Well, he reaches 99, and God gives he and Sarah that child. His name is Isaac. Isaac has a son. His name is Jacob. Jacob's name is changed in Genesis 32 and 28 to Israel. Jacob has a fourth son. His name is Judah. From the word Judah, we derive the word Jew. From the word Judah, we get the word Jew. Now, I've often been asked, why did God choose Israel? Well, it wasn't because they were the largest, because according to Deuteronomy 7 and 7, they were actually the least. It wasn't because they were godly, because according to Isaiah 45 and 4, they didn't know God. It wasn't because they were righteous, because according to Deuteronomy 9, 6, and 7, they were rebellious and stiff-necked. So, well, Pastor, why did God choose Israel as his chosen people? Here's what I want you to get down. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And I want you to realize, you won't always understand God. You know, life sometimes doesn't make sense. I mean, get, life's not always fair. I mean, if life was fair, Elvis would be alive and all the impersonators would be dead. Amen? <laughs> but God is sovereign. And it's God's sovereignty that helps me keep my sanity. Though my heart may twist and turn, though my heart may throb and ache, it's in my soul, I'm glad I know, our God makes no mistake. He's sovereign. Now, God promised Israel land. According to Genesis 15 and 18, he promised them land from the Nile River from, to the Euphrates. 
And according to Joshua 1 and 4, he promised them land from the Euphrates River to the Mediterranean Sea. This is a picture, ladies and gentlemen, of what he promised them. That's what God promised Israel. That's what he promised Israel. But I want you to see, this is what they actually have. About the size of the state of New Jersey. You saw what God promised them. You saw what they actually have. And God promised them the landmass that was before. And God promised them that landmass, according to Genesis 13 and 15, that landmass I'm going to give to thy seed forever. Got to understand something. God gave it to them. The Jewish people are not occupiers. The Jewish people are owners because God gave it to them. God gave it to them. So I want you to see the beginning of Israel. But there's a second thing I want you to see. The bargaining for Israel. The bargaining for Israel. See, from the time they went back into the land in 1948, they have been pressured to give away their land to keep peace with the Arab nations that surround them. They have constantly been pressured. But look what Zechariah says again. It says, he that toucheth Israel, God said, they're touching the pupil of my eye. And he said, when they do that, I will shake my hand upon them. They're touching the pupil of my eye, and I'm going to shake my hand upon them. October the 30th, 1991, George Bush Sr. promoted the Madrid Peace Conference what did the, what's the Madrid Peace Conference, Pastor? Basically, he was encouraging Israel to divide their land with the Palestinians. Give away your land to keep peace. What was interesting, the next day, a storm arose in the North Atlantic. And that storm that arose in the North Atlantic literally was moving east to west, and storms move west to east. But that storm was moving east to west, and one of the places that storm hit was a place called Kennebunkport, Maine. And one of the homes that great damage was done to was the home of George Bush Sr. I believe he that toucheth Israel touches the apple of God's eye. He tried it again on August the 23rd, 1992, and the same day Hurricane Andrew hit Florida, June the 21st, 1998, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu came to Washington, D.C. to meet with President Clinton. History says that President Clinton was cold. History says that the Secretary of State, President Clinton, didn't even offer to have lunch with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. What happened on that day? The Monica Lewinsky scandal erupts. December the 12th, 1998, President Clinton goes to Israel, encouraging Israel to give away their land to the Palestinians. While he's encouraging Israel to give away their land to the Palestinians, the Congress is voting to impeach President Clinton. He that touches Israel touches the apple of God's eye. George W. Bush pressured Israel to give up the Gaza Strip. They gave up the Gaza Strip. 
a strip that was given to them by God that Hamas now is bombing Israel, bombing Israel from. But President Bush encouraged Israel to give up that land. And the day that he was encouraging Israel to give up that land, Hurricane Katrina happens. May the 20th, 2011, President Obama says that Israel needs to return to the pre-1967 borders the next day. Joplin, Missouri, the worst tornado in United States history happens. Psalms 121 and 4, you, you can believe all that's coincidental, but I don't believe that. I believe he that keepeth Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. And I believe when you touch Israel, you touch the pupil of God's eye, and God's going to shake his fist, ladies and gentlemen, because he, he... <laughs> that touches Israel, touches God. I want you to see the third thing. I want you to see the blessed by Israel. I had a politician sent me a text the other day. He said, Pastor Benny, where is that scripture that says those that bless Israel shall be blessed and those that curse Israel shall be cursed? I said it starts in Genesis chapter 12 when I text back. But I said the primary verse is Genesis 12 and 3. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Do you realize, folks, there are 7.6 billion people on the earth. Israel makes up 0.2% of the population. About somewhere between 13 and 14 million Jews. Half in Israel, basically half in the United States. But they win 31% of the Nobel Medical Awards. Somebody said, Pastor, I don't want to go to Israel with you. And I said, well, why don't you want to go with me? Well, I'm so afraid I'll get sick over there. Well, whoop-de-doo, you'll be in the best hospital in the world. You'll be in the birthplace of the great physician. I can't think of a better place to get sick. Amen? You might even get healed. They developed the drip irrigation device. The drip irrigation device, keep this in mind, 110 countries are using. 110 countries. Literally 50% greater crop production, 40% less water. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed. How have they blessed us? Folks, they've given us the Bible. They gave us the prophets. By, by the way, this wasn't written. This wasn't written by a bunch of Americans. 40 different Jews, amen? They gave us the patriarchs. They gave us Mary and Joseph. Let me give you a news flash. Mary and Joseph's last name wasn't Tate, Jones, or Smith. They were Jewish. They gave us Mary and Joseph. They gave us Jesus, who was a Jew, who never denied his Jewishness, who was a Jewish boy that on the eighth day he was circumcised according to the Jewish tradition. When Jesus was 13 years old, they had a bar mitzvah service for Jesus. He went to that bar mitzvah service, 
and they gave him something. They gave him a prayer shawl. When he was a 13-year-old boy, they placed the prayer shawl around his shoulders. The Jewish men still wear prayer shawls. Every word in Jewish culture has a numerical value. This is a fringe. The end of the prayer shawl is a fringe. You say, I want to read about the prayer shawl. We'll read Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 through verse 39. You'll read about the, the prayer shawl. That's a fringe. You remember the lady in the Bible that had the issue of blood 12 years? She couldn't get better. She just kept getting worse. Remember what she said? She said, if I can touch the hem of his garment. What do you think the hem of his garment was? He had on a prayer shawl. She was touching the hem of his garment. See, folks, the word fringe, the numerical value is 600. 600. It has eight strands, 608, tied in five knots, 613. Why 613 on the prayer shawl, Pastor Benny? Because there are 613 laws in the Old Testament. John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is going to come back. What's he going to be wearing, Pastor Benny? A prayer shawl. See, the Bible says when he comes back in Revelation 19 and 16, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. How could a name be written? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, the fringe will fall on his thigh. A name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I want you to understand, even when he died on the cross, above his head read, King of the Jews. He never denied his Jewishness. Now, let me give you one other point, and I'm done. The benefactors of Israel. The benefactors of Israel. If you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. If you bless Israel, you'll be blessed. When I take people to Israel, I always start out in North Israel. Because you got to understand, folks, everybody wants to go to Jerusalem. Everybody wants to go to Calvary. Everybody wants to go to the empty tomb. But you got to realize Jesus spent very little time there. Most of his time he spent in the north part of Israel. His ministry was primarily around the Sea of Galilee in Capernaum. And I take the people to excavations in Capernaum of a synagogue. And let me explain. In Luke chapter 7, there was a man, he wasn't a Jew, he was a Gentile. He was a centurion. And he said, I've got a servant that's very sick. And I wish this man Jesus would come and heal him. He knew that an observant Jew would never go under the roof of a Gentile, but he said, I wish Jesus would come and heal my servant. I'm not a Jew, but I wish he would. And the men go to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, listen, we really wish you would touch this man's servant. We really wish you would. And look what they said. For he love, loves our nation, and he's built us a synagogue. 
And Jesus touched that man's servant because it touched Jesus over what that man had done for the Jewish people. And he built them a synagogue. I'm almost done. Early this morning, I was on a treadmill and nobody there but me. And the TV's on in this little gym. I'm running on the treadmill. And I saw this. I saw in March 196,000 new jobs were created. I, I, I read this. It was this morning. It said that the unemployment rate is 3.8. It said that from 2018 to 2019 in March that the salary increase nationwide had gone up 3.8%. It said that U.S. job openings outnumber unemployment by 1 million. I just saw that. I just saw it. I, I, I didn't think a whole lot. 3,000 years ago, David conquered Jerusalem from the Jebusites, came through underneath through the tunnels, through the underground system, conquered Jerusalem from the Jebusites. God said in 2 Chronicles 33 that I've put my name in Jerusalem and I've put my name there forever. God said Jerusalem will always be the capital of Israel. Now understand something. Even in 1967, when the Jews regained control of Jerusalem, not one nation recognized Jerusalem as the capital. Not one nation acknowledged Jerusalem as the capital. Even though God said 3,000 years ago, Jerusalem should be recognized as the capital. Not one nation said we'll recognize. We're not going to get sideways with the Palestinians. Every president that you can name said, if I'm elected, I'll recognize Jerusalem as the capital. But once they got elected, it was like pie crust. Folks, I'm just telling you the truth. I don't give a rat's in what you are. You're Republican, Democrat, Independent. I'm just telling you the truth. I saw those numbers, those financial numbers. I thought, it's amazing. But then I realized something. December the 6th. 2017, America did something that has never been done. We recognize Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, as the capital of Israel. The first time any nation had ever recognized Jerusalem as the eternal capital of Israel. That's reason enough to stand and praise God Almighty. And may the 
14th, we did something else. We moved our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, Israel, and said Jerusalem shall be the eternal capital of Israel because God said it should be. And here's what I realized. Could it be, ladies and gentlemen, that those who bless Israel, those that bless Israel, God said he would bless, and those that curse Israel, God said he would curse. Now, when you share a message like this, I want to get real practical. I'm almost done. I want to get real practical. How can we bless Israel, Pastor Benny? I want to bless Israel. I want to bless Israel. How can we do it? Well, first of all, folks, we're to bless Israel financially. Romans 15 and 27 says this. We being Gentiles, by the way, is there a Jew here? You say, well, what's the rest? What's everybody else? Gentiles. So that's you and me. The Gentiles have blessed us in spiritual things. Remember, salvation is of the Jews. It's the Jews that gave us the Bible. It's Jews that gave us Jesus. They've blessed us, ladies and gentlemen, with spiritual things. What does it say? We're to bless them with financial things. If they've blessed us with spiritual things, we're to bless them with financial things. You know what I was talking to? A, I was talking to Jensen Franklin. And Jensen said to me, he said, Pastor Benny, there are 50,000 Holocaust survivors that live in poverty or that are homeless in Israel. I said, you got to be kidding. And I said to him, our church wants to help. Our church wants to help. Whether you realize it or not, folks, we've been given resources to build homeless Jewish people houses in Israel. We've been doing that. So we're to bless them financially. But, but you know something else? It's not enough just financially. We're to bless them spiritually. Look what the Bible says. Romans 1 and 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first. Now look, I've, I've made several trips to Haiti. I've gone to Guatemala, Guyana, Belize. You name it, I've gone there. So I'm very much into missions. But God said the first people we ought to be trying to reach is the Jewish people. I didn't say that. God said that. God said the first people we ought to be trying to reach is the Jewish people. So I said, how can our church be involved? And we started supporting an organization, and we support it. And what this organization does, I met with them. They print Bibles. They print tracts. And they give them out to Jews. They print Bibles in Hebrews in Hebrew. You say I'm a strict King James man. They can't read it. You don't understand. They they print Bibles in Hebrew, and they give them out to these people, and people come to know Christ because of it, because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. They've got to have the Bible. So we're to bless them financially. We're to bless them spiritually. But then we're to bless them. Prayerfully, prayerfully. Psalms 122 and 1 says, pray 
for the peace of Jerusalem. And look, they shall prosper that love thee. I put a sample prayer even in your sermon folder. You say, I don't really know how to pray. I put a sample prayer in your sermon folder. Now, folks, uh, the other day I was, uh, I was preaching, and a young man followed me to my car. He said, Preacher, I'm, I'm concerned. He said, Tell me what's got to happen before Jesus comes back. I said, well, it all lies with the nation of Israel. I said, well, first of all, Israel's got to be back in the land. According to Ezekiel 37, they, they had to be back in the land. There had to be a state. They had to have statehood. That happened on May 1948. I said, second of all, according to Luke 21 and 24, the Jews had to control Jerusalem. According to Luke 21 and 24, that happened June 5th through the 10th, the Six-Day War. I said, so those two things have happened. I said, the third thing, there had to be the collapse of the Soviet Union. Because Jeremiah 23, 7 and 8 says Russian Jews will, had to return back to their homeland. And I said, that happened in the early 90s. I said, the fourth thing that had to happen, Israel had to become a military power. See, when they went into the land in 1948, they were using school buses as tanks. They were literally using brooms as guns. They had nothing. They were 650,000 Jews surrounded by 40 million Arabs. They had nothing. They had to become, according to Zechariah 12, a military power. Today, they're the fourth most powerful military in the world. thing that had to happen the land had to be revived because see the Turks went in the Turks went in and literally cut down every tree so the land according to Amos 9 verses 14 and 15 it had to be revived if you go to Israel today it's blossomed it's beautiful they grow enough crops to care for them and care for other countries. The land's been revived just like God said it would be. You look and see the Palestinian land barren. You see the Israeli land fruitful. Just like God said. Here's all I'm going to say, folks. A man that would leave here today not knowing Christ... I don't understand. I don't understand. Don't take that chance. Because even if he doesn't come today, he might call for you today. And you need to be ready to meet him. I thought about Hitler. He killed six million Jews. But one day he's going to stand before a Jew. Because every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said it's as simple as ABC. 
A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.